G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. In this episode, we talk to Topaz Conway, chair of SBE Australia, about what it takes to help women founders accelerate into global markets. Then we'll speak to Spark Festival program director Maxine Sharon about a week-long event that's bringing the entire Sydney startup community together in an event for and by the community. Making Startups Superb on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by Braintree, the easy all-in-one payment solution for your app or website, and Getworm, the go-to crowdsourcing site for startups. Last month, I found myself at an extraordinary pitching competition. Dolphin Tank. So it was 10 female founders, each were pitching their post-accelerator startup to a panel of very esteemed judges, several of whom have already been on this show. I was really impressed by the consistently high quality of the Dolphin Tank startups. And I really do believe all things being equal, women founders tend to execute better than their male peers. Now, you might not believe me, but you will be hearing from a few of those founders that pitched at Dolphin Tank in the next couple of Twisted episodes, so you'll be able to make up your mind for yourself. But our next guest was the person who was presiding over that competition, Topaz Conway, the chair of SBE Australia. Topaz, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you, Mark. Okay, so first tell us, what is SBE Australia? SBE Australia is the entity that actually delivers the Springboard Accelerator program. So we actually have licensed the program from a U.S. entity called Mm -hmm. Springboard Enterprises. Mm -hmm. And we brought it to Australia, and I won't go into the reasons why we chose SBE Australia, but it it had to do with trademark issues. So, um, but we deliver essentially that program here in Australia, and we've been doing it for the last four years. And what is the intention of that program? The intention is to really capture women at that stage in their company, in the growth of their company, where global is what they should be doing or is the next step in their strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously when capital becomes important, growth capital or, or capital even just to fund the next stage. And we find that that's a spot where women tend to underfund, mm-hmm. they tend to not get funded, mm-hmm. even if they try, mm-hmm. or they just don't think big enough. So what we try to do is we try to help them through this accelerator program, think bigger, think scalable, think global, and then become um, in- incredibly investable in how they present. And just to touch on the incredibly investable, how much has been invested in the SB Australia company since you started up? We don't invest money directly. Right. We're an accelerator program. But if you, um, we have tallied up how much the women collectively have raised since they've done our program, Mm -hmm. since post boot camp, as we call it. And that aggregate total for the 36 companies is 90 million at this point in time. Now that includes 10 of those that have just finished literally. So the ones that I saw pitching. That you saw, it was the end of their coaching period. So. Mm -hmm even including very early on, and most of them have not raised at this point post-program, but some of them have. Now, how did SBE identify this specific moment in the life cycle of a startup as the key point to have an intervention? 
It, it, it was started by a woman in the U.S. called Kay Koplovitz, who was arguably one of the first very successful female entrepreneurs. She, mm -hmm. she was the one who actually created USA Networks in, oh, the, in okay. the U.S. and yep. sold it in the late 90s, 1999, for about $4.5 billion. Mm -hmm. um, she, her story is quite incredible, how, how she built that company up over 25-plus years. But what, what she learned along the way was that women were not good at this piece of looking after themselves while they're growing their companies and looking global. So mm -hmm. what was it that women were doing wrong not to create these big unicorns like she was able to do? And this is where she found that first pain point. One of the most interesting lines that I heard at the night, which came from one of the folks who was pitching, or maybe it was one of the folks who had reflected on the experience, was that she had been learning that she was in the business, but she wasn't running the business. And I, when I hear things like that, I mean, I get the goosebumps because there's such clarity about what you are supposed to be focused on. And is that part of what SBE is bringing here? Is that, that, that uh, I guess, a sense of how to tune what they're executing on? Yeah, absolutely. Because we all know there's a lot of noise going around this space. Everybody is trying to be, do, be an accelerator, be an incubator, help entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs know how to deliver the great pitch, et cetera, et cetera. What, what we work on is twofold. We work on both sides of the equation. We work on the woman herself, mm -hmm. which is really important in this and, and where most programs miss it, miss the mark when they're looking to... For, for women or men, you're absolutely yeah. right. They don't look at the whole person. Exactly. And, you know, and I come from a culture in the States as an investor where you invest in people, not product. Right. So we, we, it's been a bit reverse here in Australia for a lot of years, but we're, you know, we're kind of pushing over to the other side. So we really invest in her, mm -hmm. helping her understand what her value proposition is, mm -hmm. what her business case is mm -hmm. as a person, and then we work on the business as well. So we provide a whole network of professionals and domain experts and contacts into the US or global contacts, mm -hmm. and we actually assist both sides of that to come together and then present what's important to investors. All right, so do you find, I guess, that because of the qualities it takes to be good in a startup, which involve a certain, I think, firmness of will, when you're doing, when you're working on that side, the person side of the business, do you find that they're open to it, or are they resistant? Are they asking, well, why, why do I need to do this? How do you, how do you sugar that pill? We don't sugar it. <laughs> it's um, the program is competitive. We we select from a very large number of applicants, and we only pick ten. But one of the key criteria for selection is coachability, right? Okay. So if they're not really looking to improve, looking to learn, and willing to learn, right. then they're not eligible. And you know, sometimes we do get people who are a little more challenging than others right. <laughs> when we get into the program. But you know, the bottom line is that, that they've got to learn how to be resilient. They've got to learn to actually believe it in their core, because if they don't believe it, nobody else will believe it. Right. So okay, so let's talk about the program. The program lasts, is it 10 weeks? 
it's um a, a started starts with a three day boot camp mm-hmm. and then it goes for eight weeks of coaching and then we have the dolphin tank at the end. Okay, and in fact, I think one of the founders had said she had just had her baby, and or her baby was going to have her first year birthday, and so she decided to bring her baby along, her toddler along, yeah. to the boot camp, and so it's this the kind of thing where people are making decisions that they're going to make it work for their entire lives, not just as something that's outside of that, which was, I think, very interesting. It's the first time I heard a story like that, and I was like, okay, this is a sign that something more interesting is going on. It's not trying to divide the person into this entity that makes money and this person who has a family, but taking a look at all sides of that. That boot camp, is it really around refining the business model, or is it around refining the person, or is it both? Well, that's our IP. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, no, I'm very happy to talk about it. But, you know, it is around both. And, you know, this misnomer that that you have to find work-life balance, I mean, as an entrepreneur, that's just not true. I was going to say another word, but you'd have to edit it out. <laughs> there's no such thing, you know, that if you're passionate about your work, then, then it is part of your life. Right. And so, you know, I, I was an entrepreneur when my children were young and they just came along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. You have to be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, if you're not, then you are conflicted. Right. So we don't, in, you know, in our program, we don't really address that. We try to really help the woman become completely comfortable with the ambition of what she's trying to do because women are told ambition is bad. And you know what we're trying to do is undo a lot of years of, of psychological training. Let's let's dig into that a little bit because this is something that I've heard as well. And again, as a man, I've been told the sky's the limit. I can basically do whatever I want, and I'm horrified by the fact that women get told something different, and that we actually do need to remediate that. I mean, is it? How, you know, not to, to sort of dig into your IP, but how do you actually just make that clear? Do you just repeat it enough, or is it that you give them space to be able to really inhabit that, or is it both? It, it's a little bit of both of those, but more so it's showing them examples. So the more women, successful women, right. who have embraced that and been successful because of that, which mm-hmm. is truly the asset of the Springboard program is that we have this alumni network. Mm-hmm. And in the US, that's 600 strong. And mm-hmm. here, you know, we're now 36 strong. Mm-hmm. And these women all have been through the same journey, the same program, mm-hmm. and come out the other end saying, my alumni and I are there to support each other. So no matter what, you can pick up the phone, drop me an email. If, you, you know, if you're in a different country and I'm there, they meet up. Right. It's the power of the network. Now guys so have had sisterhood. That. It is, and guys have had that forever. Sure. Through sport, through military, yeah. through all the different things that we allow men to do yeah. or encourage men to do yeah. creates this alumni in this brotherhood and they help each other through, for the rest of their lives. And women have just never had that vehicle. Um, and it's not been encouraged, well, we haven't been in positions to promote each other through the food chain like men have. So at the Dolphin Tank event, and I was very aware of this, it was the first time I'd been at a startup event in Sydney where women significantly outnumbered the men in the room. And these were not hangers-on, these were investors, these were entrepreneurs, these were you know directors at major companies. I kept on having this line of conversation. So it seems as though it's not just 
that that it's the alumni itself, but it's actually having a gravitational effect on other people inside the community. That's that's right. So we've worked really hard to build that community and connect that community. So our you know, a stakeholder network goes way beyond our alum, obviously, because mm. we surround them with coaches, mm-hmm. right? So at the end of boot camp, we personally point, appoint a team of coaches to work with her virtually over the next eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Some of those are domestic. Some, like I said, some are professionals, you know, um, service services like accounting or IP attorneys right. who will help on that part. Some are domain experts who can help on more technical aspects of what they're doing. You know, Microsoft is a, a sponsor and they come in and they help on the tech side of things. So it's introductions, it can be any number of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, we pull in extraordinary networks. And of course, through our sponsors, um, which we have some wonderful sponsor partnerships as well, um, we pull in all kinds of people. But there is this desire to, to help for mm. one thing, mm. but these women are building, you know, killer companies so, so, I mean, at the end of the day. When I'm sitting here watching these pitches one after another and two of them, and I'm, I'm working very hard, I've, I've already got one of them locked in on the show, the second one I'm trying to lock in, I'm like, okay, these are unicorns. If they execute, these are, and this was in just the normal run of 10 companies, and I'm looking at them going, oh my God, there are two huge businesses here. Do you expect that if you look back in five years time, because it takes time to grow a unicorn, that you will have seen at least one of them come out of SBE and out of the dolphin tank? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are, you know, our first program was in 2013. Mm. And in that cohort, um, well, I, I think Katrina, who Katrina Wallace just did a, a, an acquisition, her company was acquired, and she's still running it. But that was um, gone has gone into a bigger company. One of our biotechs just did an IPO down in, um, who's based down in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and she was oversubscribed at 10 million in the IPO just a few weeks ago. She has great potential. But yes, I mean, the short answer, we had, you know, Canva was part of our first cohort as well. Oh my God, and we've already, and we've had Cam on, because Cam's the person that I knew at Canva, but one of the other founders is a woman. Mm. And they're, they're Australia's next unicorn, according yeah. to everyone. Yeah, so. so absolutely. I mean, and I expect to see 36 of them. What do you want to see as your goal, as the chair going forward? What do you want from this? I want to see the quality and of the companies or the, if you will, the, the ambition right. of the women who are coming into our accelerator program be higher earlier. And so what we are doing is we're... <laughs> I just want to say that's scary because I saw a lot of very high ambitions. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if we can, if these, we've had to do shifts with pretty much everybody, mm-hmm. right? So if we can, and we want to bring this down into accelerator level, earlier stage level, so we can start women thinking differently mm-hmm. from day one. So we want mm-hmm. them thinking globally. We want them thinking big, scalable, sustainable, you know, look outward, look big. Because when, you know, an interesting thing, which I use a lot, if you have two entrepreneurs in two different rooms, and they have a similar company, say the same technology, same play. You ask the guy in one room, and you say, "Okay, how, you want to grow your, you want to grow a big company. How, what does that look like?" Mm-hmm. He'll say, "Well, we're going to be billion-dollar company." You walk next door, same company. You ask the woman, she wants to grow a big company. What does that look like? She'll say, "Well, 
will grow in Australia, then we'll probably go to the U.S. And by year three, we'll, have, we'll, we'll reach $5 million in revenue. And then we'll just go from there. And so big is defined completely differently. So what we're trying to do is get women to answer you know, from room A instead of room B. Tobias Conway, thank you very much for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks. Hi, this is Mark Pesci with a few words about Twista Series Sponsors Braintree, code for easy online payments. Entrepreneurs around the world have used Braintree in a simple way to accept PayPal and credit cards and debit cards and whatever is coming next. With a single scalable integration, you get robust fraud protection on over 130 currencies around the world, making your global expansion a snap. And using Braintree is as easy as integrating a few lines of code, getting your business up and running fast. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com twista. Startup land for a lot of people exists in this world by itself. It is a separate world of agile, of innovation, of development, of funding, of venture capitalists. And it doesn't normally touch them. It doesn't normally touch their lives. It doesn't normally touch their businesses. And so people may hear about it, but they don't even know how to get in, how to get started, where, even if they're interested by it, to go. And it's interesting because people in Sydney started to become aware of this problem a little over a year ago. And so last year we had the very first Sydney Startup Week, which was really about lifting the curtain on startups to people in Sydney so that everyone could understand what it was, get involved if they wanted to, and maybe learn more about what makes startups tick. Well. Our next guest on This Week in Startups Australia is the program manager for the recently renamed Spark Festival, Maxine Sharon. Maxine, welcome. Thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us what you have planned for this year. This year, Spark Festival is Startup Week rebranded in many ways. It's a program created from the community, by the community, and for the community as well. We have everything from a medicinal cannabis hackathon, aka the Hashathon, <laughs> through to fintech panels. We have cybersecurity events. We have events for children. We have events for grown ups. We have events for families. It's a pretty packed program. There will be somewhere between 50 and 100 events. It's all still coming together at the moment and hopefully around 4,000 participants in the last week of October. Wow. So this is really huge. I mean, in the sense that it's touching pretty much everyone in the startup community, I mean, at that level is going to know about it or be involved directly in it. Absolutely. I actually see it as something that's beyond startups in a sense and I like to think of it as it's startups, but not Silicon Valley, as in the HBO series. Right. Which is a very narrow idea. Of what a startup is. Of what a startup is, exactly. Right. And a startup is so much more than that. And so I keep on referring to it. Now, in fact, I'd like it to even morph into this as the years go by as a festival of entrepreneurship, innovation, 
technology and businesses. Okay, so how do you then craft a program that stretches that definition, that actually does get people out of thinking that the HBO series is what a startup <laughs> is? And and I have friends in Sydney who go, that that's what startups are like, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Most yeah. of my friends who don't work on the web or in this world would think that as right. well. And perhaps I even did before I started in this job a few months ago. <laughs> and I actually walked in when there'd already been this series of ecosystem track leads meetings right. going on. And this had been happening for a couple of months. It drew and out of it evolved this idea of 15 different tracks. Okay. Um, and what, what is a track? Yeah, a track is a vertical in a sense. It's a, it, it's a collection of events. So, so a market segment and then the events exactly, that are related to that market exactly. segment. Exactly. And so... Yes, so cybersecurity is a good example right. of that. We've got a pitching event, we've got a cybersecurity 101, we've got a mm -hmm. cybersecurity for your startup kind of oh, event. Oh, that's actually really good. I mean, so this is, it's not just outside looking in, it's actually if I want to make my startup better here, I can go to this stuff Absolutely. and make sure that then I don't get broken into if I go to the yep. cybersecurity event. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But then there's also this sense of the tracks being horizontal mm -hmm. as well, some more so than others. But there's something like there's a track called the startup journey, which is obviously the, the process that you go through from the beginning to the end of a startup. And so that could be within the cybersecurity area. That could be within fintech. Right. Right. There's also diversity, which is a, um, a, a horizontal across the whole festival as well. As it should be. As it should be. Right. Exactly. So this is and and this is something that we've seen become, I think, more of a central organizing principle, certainly over the last two years that, you know, there was a penny drop moment when we realized that, in fact, while no one was purposely maybe excluding women, a lot mm. of space had not been made for women or minorities or et cetera, et cetera. And that, in fact, what we needed to do was start to just, it, just even by making it part of the conversation. Yeah, change it changes everything. Absolutely. And I would have to say that since I've started in this role, it's actually really surprised me how diverse this world is. Because again, three or four months ago, if you'd asked me about startups, I would have said, oh, White it's guys. all bloody 25-year-old boys, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it's not that at all. Like you go in there at Stone and Chalk, mm. there's everyone from the age of 18 to even older than me, okay? <laughs> and all different backgrounds. It's a very diverse kind of place. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking I'm older than you. So. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, all right, so you have it's, – it's 15 different tracks yep. that are here. So. In each of these tracks, there's a set of events. I mean, if you've got 50 or 60 events, so there's sort of like five or six events. Aim for four or five, yes, right. in each of the tracks. And how is all of the, are those tracks then self-organizing? They are this? pretty much. Ideally, I don't really have a job. So I don't know why I'm working till midnight most nights. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but no, seriously, it has been quite amazing what's come out of those 15 track leads, the amount of expertise and innovation that they've brought to it. And there isn't a sense of competition work. because you might think that within a track there's going to be companies that see themselves as competitors rather than as collaborators. But you would think that, but nothing like that has arisen in the whole time. And look, I think it actually comes from the way you start something like this and the culture that you mm. create. And it was created by the guys, you know, Alex and Chris from Stone and Chalk, mm. who just reached out to the community and said, we want to do something mm. like this. Do you want to be involved? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people have. And that, that culture just has stayed really pretty good so far. Well, if you take a look at the sort of... the 
the center points of the community. So Stone and Chalk and Fishburners are certainly two of them, and they're very much about openness and collaboration exactly. and community. And so to see this being, I guess, replicated in the floor show version, mm. right, which is Spark Festival. It's really rewarding. Actually makes a lot of sense because it says that it's not just talk. Yeah. Right? That in fact actually we're gonna we're gonna do in this. In reality in, we can collaborate together. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what's happening. We can collaborate together and we can make a statement to the rest of the world. Now, what's interesting, you know, and, and we'll be talking about this more, I think, in the news episode that'll come up in a few weeks, is that the last, the Sydney Startup Week happened mm-hmm. right after the decapitation strike. So we lost Abbott, mm-hmm. got Malcolm. He started talking a very nice story about startups. We had, I think that was when Wyatt Roy was busily organizing the policy hack event that happened over at Blue Chile, which is another one of those mm. focal points for the community. We've now had another election, and the news is that the pot's off the boil, at least where the federal government is concerned. But my feeling is that with the state government, because they had a similar penny drop around the same time last year, that, that the pot is still very much on the boil for them. Absolutely, yes. We have very strong support both from City of Sydney and also um, New South Wales Department of Industry, um, as represented by Jobs for New South Wales, are supporting this event and making it possible, really. So, so are they providing venues or things like that? Or? Um, they're providing um, budget, basically. Oh. And, yes. Cash on the barrel. Nothing yes, like cash on the barrel. Yeah. The word. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because we need that to yeah. make this happen. Um, and, yes, they are also accessible to provide, you know, experts to be on panels and right. stuff like that. It's really interesting what opens up when you start speaking to government in this regard. What did they come in with an agenda around this? What Do they have goals for themselves that they want to see happen out of Spark? They would like to see the strategic outcomes that are in the Jobs for New South Wales policy document, which is about creating another, I think it's one million more jobs in New South Wales, rewarding jobs in New South Wales between now and 2036. Okay, so 20 years from now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a pretty grand vision they've got. And we fit in with that as well. Yeah, it's one element, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so you have that, and you have the city of Sydney, which you know has released their final action plan for startups. I don't. Is there anything? Is there going to be anything about that? In do you know in the program? Is there going to be something? The where city of Sydney. City of Sydney has released a action plan for tech startups. Okay. That that was we had Chanel Mondi on oh, here a couple Chanel. of weeks oh, ago. Really? Okay. Because she had started the process, we had her on when she started the process. They would finished the process. They delivered the plan. We had her talking about okay. that, and. Uh, it would almost seem a natural for Spark to have something where the city of Sydney actually goes into detail with the community around that plan. But maybe no. I'm- ideally, I think that kind of thing would happen. Like yeah. they've been very supportive; they're funding us as well. Um, and Chanel is our contact there. I think their sort of problem at the moment is they've been in caretaker mode. Oh, that's right. It's an for election for weeks, and I believe the election is it this weekend or yes, the weekend it's after. Saturday. After that, you know. So- Yes, we can reboot we're, again. we're recording this on Wednesday the 7th <laughs> oh, yes, of September. So, yes, the election will have come and gone and they will. someone will be running the city yes. come, yep. come Sunday. Yeah. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Pesci with a few words about Twista Sponsors Getworm, the go-to crowdsourcing site for startups. Startups need early adopters. 
GetWarm believes early adopters should be rewarded. So come and join a growing community of early adopters on GetWarm and get exclusive offers from the latest startups all around the world. The early bird gets the worm at GetWorm.com. And we're back talking to Maxine Sharon, who is the program manager for Spark Festival, which is coming up. What are the precise dates of Spark Festival? The dates for Spark Festival this year, put them in your calendar now, are October 22 to October 30. Okay, and is the URL for this is? SparkFestival.co sparkfestival.co all right and we will put all of that up on the tumblr so don't worry it'll all be up there all right now i know you shouldn't play favorites but what events are you specifically looking forward to did you go oh i want to go to i'm going to go to that mind you probably will be the busiest person at spark festival <laughs> that week but if you didn't have all the hopefully other responsibilities all my work is done i'm a big fan of pre-production so hopefully i will be able to swan around and check a few things out um okay something very dear to my heart is an event called questathon which is a creatathon hackathon for ref- newly arrived refugees to Australia. Oh, is that is that happening in Sydney or is it in Parramatta? Where is that happening? That's actually happening at the Hatchery at UTS oh, on that's the brilliant. last weekend. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited about things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you can really feel you've made a difference yeah. to people's lives. Like so much can come out of a, cu- a couple of days like that. Well, and this is, there's been a series of these, right? Yeah, there was the Tech for Refugees yeah, event. Yeah, Tech Refugees yeah, event, right. This one is quite, I mean, they're connected to each other. Yeah. I'm sure they know about each other. Mm-hmm. This one's actually run out of or by some people out of Lakemba Mosque. Ah. We've got some um, Department of Social Services money right. to run events for people um, newly arrived to Australia. And so this is this is another aspect of Spark that maybe we should be making more of here, which is that Spark is giving everyone else a license to be startup-y for a week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that is a good way of looking at it, right. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. And we see ourselves as that, that we've, you know, I mean, people use this term entrepreneur as if it's a bit of a pejorative. No. But why should it be? No. You no. know? Yeah, take a walk on the wild side. Yeah, absolutely. And, in fact, that's another um, pretty cool event we've got going that I think will happen at Murudi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, what's it called? Something like Test Your Idea in a Day. And oh. It's literally for someone who's, you know, whatever right. the walk of life they might come from, they've got an idea for a startup, come along. It's actually not a whole day anymore. It's a half day. Come yeah. along, you'll get some user testing. They'll run a workshop. There'll be quite a few people there, 50 yeah. to 100 people. It's quite big. Yeah. So you get all sorts of input. And the idea of it, of it is that it might give you the confidence to say, hey, I can go out and do this and quit my day job. How do people, I mean, because I'm now hearing about all of these for the first time, how do people actually find out and promote these things? I mean, are you leaving it up to the folks who are throwing the events? Is Spark Festival going to be promoting? How is all that going to work? How it worked last year um, is basically just a network Mm -hmm. effect that we have these 15 track leads. They all have five, six, seven people who are organizing different events within their um, track right? and then we put the word out through all our different networks like that and somehow it turns into a massive swarm of well when, I mean you're also talking about the people in the startup community are big they thrive on connections absolutely and a lot of the people who are running tracks are people who already run events yeah. so they've got networks that they send stuff out to already yeah because I was at that the very first planning meeting where they okay. sort of got the idea of the tracks and I saw people put their hands up and I kind of 
almost put my hand up for the media track and realized that in fact I could be too busy and I will be too busy yeah. <laughs> specifically because October is my personal busiest time okay. of the year but the, I know the person who put their hand up for the track has been all over it in fact has already contacted me about having some of those companies on the show absolutely yeah. and so and I think that there's ways of being able to create the virtuous cycle of awareness leading to that sort of thing and you can see this happening quite naturally yeah that's what's happening all right now, we've been a little disingenuous because it turns out I've known you for a really long time. I know. I, I came to this country 13 years ago and sort of within two or three years, I got an invitation from you and from John Alsop was your partner in crime because you ran the Web Directions Conference for many years and you had me come and do for three years in a row. I did the closing keynote, which I had a brief to just sort of be fun and entertaining and crazy and these are three of the best talks that I think I've mm. ever given but I'm also thinking the kinds of people that you had speaking at the conference for example Cam Adams comes mm -hmm. to mind who has already been on this show because although he, everyone knew that he was an amazing talent back then he's yeah. now turned that talent into the engine that's driving Canva from strength to strength what have you seen in these years? How how many years before that was Web Directions going? Okay, Web Directions started as an event called Web Essentials in mm. 2004. Okay. We were a conference focusing on, wait for it, standards-based web design and accessibility. And we sold out in that first year. So um, that very, told you something. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't. I mean, Flickr might have been around, but there was effectively no Flickr. There was no YouTube. There yeah. was no Twitter. There was no nothing yeah. like no, that. No. But it was a really, really exciting couple of days, even without all those things. So, and what you saw then, I guess, was a snapshot of at that time. Webland and startup land were kind of the same thing. It's no longer true. There's yeah. web is huge, startup land is huge too. What have you seen sort of evolve over that decade that you were making web directions happen? People have become more grown up, <laughs> which is a very nice well, thing. What does that mean? Um, in some ways, we've become more serious. Right. Yeah. There's less play. There's less genuine playfulness. Um, we're, because people have mortgages or just because people I don't have a lot of patience? I think literally the ages of people involved, you know, they've, they've got families and yeah. stuff like that. In fact, John and I noticed this a couple of years after we're into running Web Directions that, you know, the first few years, everyone, you just invite them and they'd say, yeah, of course, I'd love to fly to Australia and, you know, come and speak at your conference. Right. And then we went through this period around 2010 and 11 when suddenly no one would do it because everyone was having children. Ah, right. And you know, I yeah. think it was just the, the, the ages in and stages. In including John yes. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 No, I just think it's become more mature. Um, that playfulness thing and that, that ability to just feel that you can do your own thing is something that's changed because before web essentials john and i had a little software company mm -hmm. we um had a style sheet editor called style master mm -hmm. that so we were right tech startup yeah basically yeah, yeah. Yeah, in 98, 99 okay. or something like that, I think we started. And uh, we literally did sell it on floppy disks that we put in the post and sold. For listeners who may not be aware, floppy disks are the things that preceded the USB key. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Like, we got them printed with these, you know, stickers that we designed ourselves. Incredible. Right. 
Um, yeah, in fact, that that's what Web Essentials came out of because we because we were into standards based web development. We went along to the Web Standards Group. That's where we met the guys who mm-hmm. became our partners in Web Essentials. But yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because we sold our software via this online business called Kagi. Mm-hmm. And it, they were one of the first people that you could easily just so know, it's like, set up an account. like an early Shopify sort of thing. Oh, so predating yeah. Shopify. And it actually broke my heart because the other day, because we, we've still got a Kagi account, and um, he actually ended up going out of business quite recently after all those years. And he sent a beautiful, you know, that sort of mea culpa kind mm-hmm. of email that you get. But yeah. it really took me back to those days and sparked an idea actually about going back and somehow trying to document that time because it is passing you so know it's s- passing from all our memories those sim- early days similar of the to web. the um to the uh internet archive sort of thing around yeah. that and, yeah. and the way back machine yeah but it's sort of to me what my passion would be those sort of personal stories of what it was like yeah. to be growing businesses at that time i mean someone asked me on twitter the other day if anyone was actually um archiving all the vrml worlds that were created 20 years ago and i, I was like I, I didn't know, and I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting because this sort of ties into that idea. Not only are we growing up, but mm. are we starting to lose some connection with our that youth? Time. Not because we want to, but because we got too busy to preserve it. Yeah, I really think that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, someone needs to do this project. Well, there are a it's lot a bit of nostalgic. But it's also the kind of thing that a librarian loves to do. That librarians <laughs> actually really enjoy. Yeah, true. This is this is no. This is I've talked to a lot of librarians. This is where they live. Is that part of that? Is there certain class of librarians who are archivists and yeah. really love that? And maybe what you need to do is you know find make, my local librarian and, and or maybe make it a little theme inside the Spark Festival. Mm. Announce the event and see who comes along. Yeah, true, true. You Maxine, never know. <laughs> Maxine Sharon, thank you very much for joining us in This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you, Mark. Hi, this is Mark Pesci. You've been hearing a lot about a lot of different things in this episode. Topaz has been talking about SB Australia. We've been hearing Maxine talk about the Spark Festival. If you want to follow up on all of this information, you need to come by and visit our Tumblr at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. We have lots of information there about this episode, past episodes, all of the podcasts. So please join us on our Tumblr at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. Tech startups are not a new thing. The Silicon Valley ecosystem of startups has been around for 30 years and we've learned a lot. What we've learned can be put to work to help folks who want to enter this ecosystem. Topaz Conway and SB Australia, they're showing that it's possible to make a creative intervention in the journey of an entrepreneur, one that increases that entrepreneur's capacity and chances for success. It won't work for everyone, but the founders who pass through that program become part of a sisterhood of experience, and that can be the difference that makes a difference when confronting all of the challenges of growing a startup. The Spark Festival, that comes out of Sydney's startup community, but as Maxine Sharon notes, Spark extends well beyond that community. It's not just about them or for them, it is for everyone. And in opening up that experience to the broader community, they give everyone else a license to think like a startup. That can only be a good thing. 
Big thanks to Twista sponsors Braintree and Get Warm. Their support makes this podcast possible. Thanks to Felix Warmoth and AnalogCabin.net for his hard work crafting a podcast that's a joy to listen to. Thanks to Topaz Conway and Maxine Sharon for making the time to come on our show. We will be back in a fortnight with more great stories from Australian startups, investors, and innovators. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.